Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, that's rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is Kevin Ziegler, evangelist with Lakeport Christian Church in Lakeport, Florida. Brother Kevin and I have been friends, um, well, I don't know how long we were introduced to a, to a mutual friend, and uh, we've mostly been friends through social media right, yeah. over the years, uh, and I've always admired your work with the Southside Christian Church in Danville, Illinois. Uh, where you just recently resigned to begin working at Lakeport. And I appreciate your knowledge of what we call the restoration movement, and I hope you'll share with us a little bit of the work that you have done in that area uh, during this conversation. But let's let's start by learning more about you personally. Okay. So, uh, Brother Kevin, tell us your story. Tell us your story. All right. Well, uh, I uh, grew up in uh, Zephyr Hills, Florida, and uh, was not a Christian. I didn't know that about Zephyr Hills. Yes. No. Yeah. All right. I've held and revivals in Zephyr Hills. Held revivals. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, kind of, well, actually, when I was born, uh, my parents were uh, a religion that just simply uh, sprinkled babies, and they thought I was going to pass because I had some seizure disorder, and so they had me sprinkled. <laughs> right. And so, uh, about four or five, my dad and my mom were divorced, and my dad got custody, which was odd in the '60s. Oh, sure. Uh, six kids. Wow. Yeah. And so he started church shopping, and we ended up at another denominational church, and they fully immersed, uh, outward sign of an inward act. Right. And, um, and I had that, that, that was done. And um, then my dad met the lady that moved in two doors down, who was part of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, and my goodness. You've really been around. I have been around. <laughs> and so uh, at the Bayfront Center in St. Pete, Florida, I was fully immersed into the Jehovah's Witnesses. So about uh, 1983, I started uh, getting some connections with a next-door neighbor who was going to the Central Christian Church in Tampa. And uh, Ed Harris was the evangelist there. And uh, so started talking with him, started going to Sunday school. Uh, and Dan Hefner was uh, very influential in my life. He was my Sunday school teacher, one of the elders. And uh, he made us memorize scripture in Sunday school, if you believe it, as an adult. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, uh, Ed showed us the Jewel Miller's film strip series. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I have brought so many people to Christ yes. with Jewel Miller. Yeah. yeah. So we, we watched the five series, the five videos, film strip. You know, beep, oh, beep, yeah. Beep, beep. <laughs> and, uh, and on the fifth one, I went up to Ed Harris and I said, well... You know, I told him the story. I've been baptized this way, this way. I know the sprinkling's out. You know, right. I said, but it sounds like I need to be immersed into Christ. And he says, well, it sounds like it. <laughs> and so that night, it was October 21st, 1984, I stepped forward and uh, became a Christian. That night, was immersed into Christ. Wow. And, uh, See, and all of this, I had knew nothing about yeah. it. So that's what I love about these interviews. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so um, within, I don't know... Uh, See, that was October. Within a couple months, uh, Dan Hefner, who was my Sunday school teacher, was talking about Florida Christian College. And uh, I saw it, well, it was actually Central Florida Bible College. It hadn't officially changed the name yet. Right. And uh, 
I thought, well, you know what? I was in the Joe's Witnesses and learned the Bible, and he's teaching good Bible, and he's up recommending this place. So I just saw it as a glorified Sunday school class. <laughs> right. And that's why I went. Now, I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but went over there. And, of course, uh, had at the time, I think, the finest education a person can have. Um, Dr. Roger Chambers yeah. passed in 88. Um, Mary Henderson was the president. He was, was up here at Lincoln. Uh, but had come down there as president. I had him, uh, had uh, Doc Smith, uh, James Smith, who does Old Testament, uh, Dr. Winter, who came down from Cincinnati uh, for a couple years, and Lewis Foster, who also came down from Cincinnati. Oh, my, yeah. So I had a wonderful education yeah. and solid in the restoration movement, the plea. And um, so in 1988, I moved north, and my... What I what I decided to do was I thought, well, I'm going to preach. You know, I got turned on to that. Uh, I think that was Doc Smith. <laughs> uh, but um, was going to go ahead and go and kind of follow Doc Smith and Dr. Winter's uh, life and go get my degree at Cincinnati and then go on to Hebrew Union and then go back down to Florida to teach. <laughs> oh, that okay. was what I was going to do. Really? And... Uh, well, it took me a lot of years, family, and all kinds of situations to get that degree at Cincinnati. And, of course, I went to Hebrew Union and talked to them one time. And they said, well, you need to get the highest degree you can at Cincinnati. You need to eat, drink, spit Hebrew before you come here. <laughs> oh, That's my. what they said. Wow. And so I never did accomplish that. So I did get my master's degree from Cincinnati, but I never did go to Hebrew Union. So uh, anyway, so I uh, preached there in Ohio and then went to Pennsylvania, back to Ohio, and now um, in, was in Illinois, and then now in, back in Florida. And so... Uh, um, well, so where, where are some places that you did minister, that, uh, some of the towns? You mentioned the, the states, but... Yes, uh, Washington, Ohio, uh, Seaman, Ohio, actually. Seaman, between Seaman and Peebles. Uh-huh. Um, it's one of the oldest, oldest churches in the state. Um, it's one of the churches that um, they had the meeting down at Cane Ridge, Right. Some of the people from Cambridge came up into Southern Ohio. Cambridge, Kentucky, a, yeah. From Cambridge, Kentucky, and they had a meeting there in Southern Ohio, and from that came the church there at Lachie. Now, and, where, where is Lachie then, uh, and geographically in Ohio? Um, it's south central. Okay. Um, really more towards the west. So it's about 45 miles, 50 miles to the east of Cincinnati. Okay. So just, yeah. there's a Highway 32 that goes straight out there. I know where that's Now, yeah. Lachie has, uh, they sold the property there, and they moved, and they're now called Countryside uh, Church of Christ. So, okay. Uh, uh, so, they're, so they've moved into Seaman proper. Okay. So uh, they were kind of in between the two towns. And where did you go from there? I went from there to Bolivar, uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, that's Kevin Yeager's home church. Oh, okay, yeah. and I know Kevin Yeager. Yeah, and his mom, uh, Nora, and uh, his brother-in-law, uh, Jeff Blankenberg, and sister. Of course, Jeff's an elder there. You see, I don't, I don't know all of them. I, we just were blessed to have a, a, a meal or refreshment at their home one time some years ago when I was holding a revival yeah. in St. Paul, Kentucky. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Well, Kevin says I, I was able to get through Yeager Holler and, and survive. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he always told me that his mother liked me better. Than him, so I don't know that that was true. <laughs> but uh, so uh, I was only there about a year. Um, wow. Nothing bad, really. Uh, just uh, well, trying to finish my education back sure. in Cincinnati. Um, they had a lot of snow, and of course, I grew up in Florida. <laughs> yeah. So just some issues there, and so I ended up back in uh, Macon at the Macon Church of Christ, which is uh, uh, about about. 
35, 40 miles from Cincinnati, same route, 32, right. Brown County, and uh, actually has a Winchester address. And I preached there for seven and a half years. I didn't know you and, were at Macon. Yeah, yeah. I was there, was there at Macon. And so I did well there, you know, as far as, you know, uh, uh, preaching and, you know, teaching. And then uh, moved over here to Illinois and uh, had about two years where I wasn't preaching and then came here to Southside. Actually, I preached at Potomac Church. Uh, uh, which is north of here, for about 14 weeks, just kind of interim, filling in for them, and then started started at Southside uh, back in uh, 2005. Uh, uh, so you you were at Southside 15 years? 15 plus years, yes. 15 plus years. Yeah. Wow. And so opportunity came, and there's a lot of factors. Nothing here. I mean, the, the church at Southside, wonderful people, just right. great people, but just just some circumstances in personal life and other things, we decided to try to make that move to uh, uh, Florida. And uh, the Lakeport Church came open and uh, went down and preached, and uh, they invited me to come. That's <laughs> the only place I've ever... Well, when I saw you were going to, that you were moving to Lakeport, I thought, now, where did he connect up with Florida? But now I realize yeah. that, that was where you were That's... where you raised in Florida. Yes. So it's like going back home. Right. Now, the Southside Church, though, was Paul's home church. This is where oh, she your wife's home yeah, church. My wife's home church. Oh, so she grew up here. So how did she feel about the move? Uh, she's okay with it. She's yeah. okay with warm, yeah. warm weather. Oh yeah, yeah, warm weather definitely. Jan- I keep telling her January, February, we'll be really glad we're down there because <laughs> Lakeport is down near Lake Okeechobee. Yes, yes, yeah, way south, western side of Lake Okeechobee, about midway down right. down Lake Okeechobee. So, so uh, the, tell us now. We've kind of gone through where you've been. But one of the things I was interested to learn about, because I've seen that you've spoken at, at a number of uh, different places on the restoration movement, and and uh, always wished I had time to go. I thought, because I, I, I love that, having grown up in a denominational church, perhaps the same one you did, because I went through this whole sprinkling thing and confirmation class when I was right. in sixth grade. Uh, when I was converted, it was in a Christian church, and I I just began buying all the books I could. It told me history. Uh, of course, Book of Acts was the best book I had. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to learn the history in this country right. of of uh, Christian churches and churches of Christ, and so I really studied them all and and uh, just learned my own way through that. And so I'm interested in, to know about some of the work you've done with that. Okay. Yes, certainly. Um, yeah, I've been invited several places to speak on that. In fact, uh, um, uh, I don't. I don't know. I taught it actually at the Kaimichi. Uh, school of preaching back in November. I remember history. seeing something about that. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah. in the Kaimichi Mountains of Oklahoma. Yes, yes. So yeah. out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> right? But um, uh, I've I've really done a lot of study over the years. I think um, part of that was being at Washi. Well, let me go back to Florida Christian College. Right. Uh, had you know again the great education. Dr. Chambers taught restoration history. Christians only was our textbook, and then Washi having the history it had. Uh, in fact, kind of a funny thing, at Washi, they had picture, two pictures, one on one on the other side of the pulpit area. One side was a picture of Jesus, the other side was a picture of Barton Warren Stone. <laughs> and uh, I always said, I think Barton Warren Stone was slightly larger. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding about that, I don't know that it was. But, um, but they, you know, they traced their roots back there yeah. to that, uh, the roots, lo- you know, to the, to the local church. And so... Uh, I think that really inspired me to have a at least a even a better interest, but also coming out of denominationalism, 
It's right. like, I don't want to go back. I want to keep people pulling them out if I can. Um, and so that also, another couple other little things that really influenced me over the years um, in that regard, in the restoration history and the movement and the plea, was person-to-person um, evangelism with Hillsborough Family Camp. Right. You know, when I lived at Macon and I lived at La Chie, we were 18 miles from Hillsborough, from Hillsborough Ohio. Ohio. And right. so Hillsborough, Ohio. So it was like anything I could get, I went there. And, uh, you know, it was all solid, back to the Bible. Sure. And yeah. uh, we were very impressed with that. And then, of course, my uh, just my uh, influences with the uh, Christian Restoration Association. Right. And uh, that's in, based in Mason, Ohio. And so, uh, again, I try to go to things that they had. And so those two, the, well, all, all those influences really had a big influence on where I am with the restoration plea. Back in 2002, I believe it is, I started, uh, uh, purchased, actually, the domain name restorationplea.com. And that friend of mine, preacher friend of mine, uh, Scott Phillips, we kind of talked about it, and, and we came up with the name, the title, and so... Uh, I purchased it, and I've been kind of maintaining it for all these years. And uh, it doesn't have a lot on it, but there's a lot of sub-sites that go with it. Right. And uh, a lot of teaching on there uh, about the restoration plea, some about me, some about missions, some, you know, just lots of topics. And, 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 and give us the, the site again. Is It's restorationplea.com. Restorationplea.com. I'm not sure we get that out, so listeners yeah. can go yeah. to that. Yeah. And I mean, like uh, the preaching I did at Southside. I mean, much of it is up there. You know, it's a video. You okay, yeah. Link there. Um, I also got links to other preachers. Uh, you were doing uh, video, video on your services when video on services wasn't cool. Right, yeah. <laughs> we weren't doing them live. We only did them live, though, when the pandemic hit here. Right. Uh, um, and that's an interesting thing, too, because um, some, and I see this a little bit, where people are using it as a crutch. <laughs> You know, All right. Well, tell, talk about that for a minute yeah. because I think that's important. Well, um, when the pandemic hit, you know, of course, here in Illinois, for seven weeks, we didn't meet at all. And okay. so we started right away, an elder and myself, to, we met up, we sat up in the front of the auditorium. I've seen one of Yeah, and yeah. We, we just, we chit-chatted, but I kind of gave a lesson, a sermon. And then, um, so we did live, Facebook Live. And then we'd go in the evening time and we'd do something else. And we did that for seven weeks and then... Uh, the governor here in the state, um, which is pretty restrictive in the state of Illinois, uh, said, well, you can have 10. So I talked to the elders, and they said, well, uh, I said, why don't we do services of 10? So we had four services for four weeks of 10 people. Plus your live. And plus, uh, plus a live. One of, the, one of the services was live. Right. And then we went to two services when the state opened up a little bit more, and for, did that for two weeks, and then we opened up completely. And so, yeah. as far as the Sunday service goes. So, but that being said, like I said, it seems like, and I was talking to my son, who is the youth minister at the Covington Church in Indiana, and, uh, you know, we, we were talking about how people, it seems like some people are staying home. It's easy to sit on the couch in your pajamas mm-hmm. and watch church services. Been saying that for a while. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And uh, so, um, I don't know how long the live stream will go, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, maybe it's, we'll record it and put it up later. Right, right. So, a lot of people are, are, I really believe, are using it as a crutch. Yeah. And I've said this on several podcasts. I'll say it again that the figures that I've seen are that one third of the people who were in attendance regularly, basically every week before the pandemic, 
are now not attending in person or live or on, online at all. Right, right. And a sifting. And, and the thing that people are missing that that aren't in the assembly is, I mean, missing several things, but fellowship is the key. You know, that's right. It, relationships. We need that relationship, and we we need that. As one one church I was at holding revival because we we just took off a, a, about six weeks in the spring because nobody was was having they wanted to cancel or change the revivals. And back in May last year, we hit the road running again, and we've been going ever since. And um, and I don't mind saying it here. We uh, if a church doesn't wear a mask, we don't wear a mask, and uh, if they do, we try to be polite with it. Mm-hmm. But we've been all over. And one church, I said. Uh, that you you approach me. If you put out your hand, I'll shake your hand. If you put out your fist to bump, I'll bump. If you want to do your bump elbows, we'll bump elbows. Right. If you want to hug, I'll hug you. If you want to hug with a mask on, I'll hug you with a mask on. If you want to hug with a mask off, I'll hug you with a mask off. And a little old lady came up to me that uh, one particular church, and she had tears, and she said, uh, Tom, I, I just need a hug so bad. She lived on her own. She had, Nobody had touched her in, in months. So every night we hugged. Yeah. Every night we hugged. Yeah. And... We need that. We yeah. need that personal. Uh, a, a log sitting outside of a, uh, sitting in front of a TV that's got a YouTube log fire going. It's not going to catch fire, right, you right. know. And neither is a Christian doing it like that. You've right. got to be yeah. in the fellowship. Yeah, the pandemic's hit so many, so many things. I mean, <clears throat> like even hospital visitations here locally. Yeah, they wouldn't let preachers come in. You know, just one family member, uh, and initially none. Right. You know, nursing homes, same thing. You know, so it's been, I know it's been very difficult in that regard. But um, back to the restoration. Okay, uh, yeah. Please, I don't want to get off, off too far off line. No. But, um, you know, <coughs> uh, uh, about 11 years ago, I was talking to Gary Baker, who is the director of Hanging Rock, which is in Indiana, one of our camps. Right. And uh, we, we started a family camp up here, and I used the restoration plea. And so... That's been another aspect of that where we've been helping to promote uh, the restoration plea within the uh, area of Illinois, Indiana. Will you? Do you plan to continue that? Well, Come and, uh, I hope to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, um, uh, this one is planned for this year, and uh, Lord willing, uh, I'm not sure what we'll do. We may not be able to do it here in Illinois, but we may do it down in. Uh, Florida, okay. down there as a rally. So now I'm going to work out some details and some bugs uh, as that approaches. So. Well, you have, do you have some other sites as well besides Restoration Plea? Is that, am I correct in that? Or is Restoration Plea just the one site you have that, that it, jumps off to others? It, it jumps off to kind of others, um, the technical language, but it's a subdomain. For instance, right. uh, uh, I started a site called gospel.restorationplea.com. And a person okay. can go there and walk themselves through the gospel. And, uh, you know, it starts starts asking the question, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? <laughs> and so it walks them right through. And I think it's five or six different pages that they can go through. And they can find that from just by going to restorationplea.com. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's a link on there that, that will take them there. Um, That's good information. I'm glad you Preaching.restorationplea.com. Um, missions.restorationplea.com so it's a, it's a subdomain and okay. many of them are listed on that front page of restorationplea.com if not all of them wow that's a lot of resources yeah. I, I didn't realize you had that much yes. and I'm really glad you shared that I'm going to take a look at that and I um, um, 
I have a Vimeo account, which is a video storage account right. on the cloud. And so um, I've linked probably upwards of 800 sermons. A lot of them are mine from, from Southside, but um, many of them are ones that are like old Ed Bowsman sermons. I've linked them, Roger Chambers. I mean, I think I've, somehow I've connected to that yeah. one of the ones from Bowsman, yeah. Some of those are from a friend of mine, Scott Sheridan, who has a site called Faithful Preaching, and he's got a Vimeo site too, so I've kind of tagged in there and just right. kind of. Uh, take it, not taking them, but you know, tag them so they're linked to those. So a person can go out and find some really, really great material. When all this pandemic came, you weren't in the shape that a lot of preachers were that didn't know where to go electronically. No, <laughs> you were. I remember, and it's been years ago. Beth and I were driving through here uh, on the way from one revival to another, and uh, I said, "There's a sign or something." Sounds like Christian. I said, "I." I know that guy. <laughs> and we just pulled in and found you. Yes. And just stopped and, and you kind of gave us a tour of what you were doing here and I was very impressed with it. And that's, good as that's probably 10 years ago or more. I, I don't really remember. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a funny story because I, um, again, my, my friend Scott Sheridan, uh, he was at the Buford, Ohio, Church of <clears throat> Christ and I was at Macon, I believe, at the time. And I went over to his house one time and he had some old computer that actually had a drive that looked like a cassette. Yeah. And I thought, i got to get me one of those because, <laughs> you know, you could store information on it. Ooh. And so uh, I don't know what year it was. Uh, it would have been after 1994, 95, somewhere near 96, yeah. somewhere in there. And uh, so I went out and paid $1,200, $1,300 for a 386 computer. I went cheap because the new ones were already on the shelf, which you never do with a computer. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to get the best you can afford. Yeah, that's right. Because um, they're already old when you pull take them home. But anyway, uh, so I started very early on, and I figured this is the way to go. Yeah. And uh, actually, when I started at Southside, um, um, I started using PowerPoint. Actually, I was making my sermons in PowerPoint. We weren't actually using the screen at the moment at that time, but I was still doing them there. Right. And so I've recorded uh, on the PowerPoint every sermon I've done since 2005, well, December 2005. Oh, you are ahead so of the curve. I normally, yeah, I, I was never that organized, but computers have really helped in that regard. Um, well, so so I tried to stay on top of that because I knew that was the direction. I mean, I, I did the old newsletters when, you know, you, you, you typed it out, cut right. it out. Put tape around it so it doesn't show the marks when you copy it. You know, oh, I did all that. I did that too. But when yeah. I did that, when I found that you could do this on a computer, it was like, ah. And <laughs> it was. Send it right to the printer. <laughs> what what a change it was. Yes. I, I even remember uh, getting the old, uh, uh, what, what do they call it? You use the, you use the mimograph. The, the mimograph. mimograph paper. And if you wanted to do artwork, you had to buy the artwork. Right. That, and then you had to measure it on the, on your master cut it right and cut it large enough that you had some place to paste it right. or small where you could paste the edges and we did all of that work and we did it every week right yes because i put out a weekly newsletter yeah. for a number of years and and that's a lot of work and i did that with the bulletin and a newsletter yes i did bulletin little, weekly yeah. and the newsletter monthly so oh. when i was at washi oh my goodness so, oh. but, but, are, but we, are, we age, are we telling our age are we telling our age uh, you think that this being audio said video, they wouldn't see our gray hair, but oh, now, yeah, well, now they, they see it. They see it in our voice, don't they? <laughs> um, over the years, what have been what, what have been some of your grandest joys in in ministry? Well, 
greatest joys, of course, are anytime you can immerse somebody and bring somebody along. Um, but maybe, I don't know, maybe a greater joy than that is watching, um, watching somebody who maybe you've had an influence on influence somebody else. I would agree with that. And, yeah. um, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's just, it, one, one thing I've done as a preacher uh, throughout my ministry is always, if somebody brought somebody to cry, you know, brought them to the point of decision, you know, first thing is, like, who, who are you going to have baptized you? You know, you're going to have, right. you know, your friend here that, that brought you along, you know. Right. So, because uh, I don't want to steal that joy. No. But that's joy to me, though. You know, yeah, they don't, it is. They don't know that I'll tell them that. So, yeah. But no, it, it is. And so I think that's probably, uh, probably the greatest joy would be that uh, in, in ministry. And just seeing lives changed, you know, yeah. when a life changes from, from, we have a gentleman at Southside who had been into drugs and different things like that there, but he came out of it and he's on fire for the Lord. And so things like that just definitely bring real joy. So, well, what uh, what are some of your hopes for your new ministry in, in Florida? Do you, are, are, have you had even, you really have any time because yeah. you're just starting. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's well, like right um, now. <laughs> it's a, uh, the community is one that is uh, uh, very much snowbirds. Well, People yeah. that come north in the uh, summertime and down south in the wintertime. Uh, there are some permanent residents. It's very rural. Um, there's three uh, mobile RV parks, I call them. And so um, my hopes there are that we can, one is we can reach people who are permanent residents there. Sure. That are there, because there are some. Um, but also to keep people connected that are, you know, members of a local church up here. Uh, in the in the north, and right. you know keep them connected down there. Uh, so that kind of be a new ministry for me. Uh, we've had a few people here and there that have traveled back and forth, but not not where like it's most of the congregation, you know. Right. So it'd be a little bit different than what I'm used to. So um, uh, of course, always evangelism. That's what your your key is yeah. to share the gospel. Because you are an evangelist. Yes, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I always have been too. Yes. And uh, although I've become more of a revivalist. Yes. And mm-hmm. and uh, like I say, it's always, it is absolutely true that it is harder to raise the dead than to give birth. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yes. And and uh, that's the situation we're in now. But but we've done some revivals in Florida and and in Zephyr Hills. We had a lot of snowbirds at at, yes. uh, at what used to be the Chancy Road Christian Church. Oh. Okay. And uh, and then we were down south of you, where you, where you are in Florida. Uh, is it Clarence? No, it's not Clarence. Why? It's I can't. It's, it's been quite a few Cluiston? years. Cluiston. Yeah. Cluiston. We did we did maybe three revivals in Cluiston, okay. and the preacher there retired. Well, he retired and moved to Kentucky to be with his son. And a little church said, "Would you preach for us?" And he's been there ever since. Okay, you know, doing <laughs> great jobs. But uh, and then out in Bullhead City, Arizona, we have a lot of snowbirds that we right. see when we go out right. in Bullhead. And um, it's great to work with these people. I love to be with the snowbirds, but they are only there for a short period. Right, right. And you've only got so much time to work with them. But you know, one advantage I've had uh, over the years is I've worked with a lot of seniors. Yeah. Um, because, uh, well, I mean that's that's. I guess that's one of the issues in the Church of Christ in general is that oftentimes you it's an aging congregation and we're not right. reaching to the younger generation so um, not not efficiently at least and so I've had much experience working with uh, with with seniors okay uh, throughout the years right so um, this will be a good plus for you yes in the, yeah. in the ministry and yeah. uh, 
we don't get down that far south anymore. Uh, Tampa is about as far south as we okay. go, and, yeah. and we've been up in Jacksonville a little bit. But uh, what can you think of maybe one of the greatest challenges you've had to face in ministry through the years? Hmm. Probably, probably just broken homes. Okay. You bring somebody along and the, the, the home is shattered. And, and how do they deal with that? I think that's one of the hardest challenges. Yeah. And uh, trying to get people back, you know, staying with the Lord, even in the midst of a, in a bad situation. And, and you're, you're hurting for them. I mean, you're, people think, well, he's just trying to work with them, but they don't realize the preacher, if he spent much time with his family, has come to love this family. Yeah. And it, it is, it's mentally and spiritually hard on the preacher as well because you love this family so much and you, you don't want to see this happening. Because right. they're, uh, maybe they're not blood relatives, but they are blood relatives in blood of Christ. In the blood of Christ, you know, right. Right, so. And uh, probably, um, uh, this kind of fresh, but when I left Southside, it's because sure. we've been here 15 plus years. And you have great relationships. Yeah, great relationships. I'm really left on great terms. Yeah. And uh, just, I don't know, that just was, was very difficult, but yet, you know, it was just was a challenge. Sure. You know? And uh, Well, here's a question I've been asking a lot of people. I'll give it to you in three parts. You can take one part, two parts, or all three, okay. all right? What do you believe to be the greatest challenges facing the church, individual Christians, and or the ministry today and going forward? Okay. Hmm. Well, the church is, I think that, of course, like I mentioned, the aging congregations. I think a lot of our congregations are sort of reaching the younger generation with right. And uh, to the church in general, I would just say sticking to the plea and being, when I say plea, I mean the restoration plea, going back to the Bible, you know, staying true to it and being consistent throughout. Because yeah. so many churches, they have just a little bit of restoration in them, but a lot of tolerance, if you will, with yeah. with other teachings. Right. And um, so sticking true, and, and that's not just because, you know, well, we want to be true to Alexander Campbell or Martin Stone. We want to be true to the Bible. Right. You know, and, and that's the whole thing about the restoration movement. Yes. And I think when people hear us say we need to stick true with the restoration plea, they think, well, that, that's denominationalism, but the restoration plea is the Bible only. Yeah, simply you know, a call back to the Bible. Yeah, right. call back to the Bible. And that's why we say that in our travels, uh, our evangelists, me and, 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 and uh, Brother Greg and our wives, we see what you're talking about all the time. And we actually run into difficulties at times in churches for just preaching the plain gospel because right. they haven't heard it in so long. Right. And this is something that 30 years ago we didn't hear much about. It wasn't happening. And I've done a lot of revivals, but I've done a few. And, and uh, it's interesting because sometimes people in very good, solid churches with very good preachers, people <coughs> come up to me and say, well, we just not, we've not heard that recently like that. Yes. And they're good preachers. I mean, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good people. And um, so... I mean, that's a challenge. And, you know, people today don't want to hear about history. They don't want to, you know. I, I guess if I if I were to, and I've been going into going to Kenya the last four years. I remember seeing it. Yeah. Because of the pandemic this year, so far at least. <laughs> but um, um, one of the things I mentioned there was we need to teach the principles. Yeah. You know, because they don't care about 
American restoration movement. What's, no. the, what's the principles? And so I did a class over there, which really changed lives and changed churches, uh, just simply called the, the, the New Testament principles, and uh, went through uh, some of C.C. Crawford's book, old book on sermon outlines on the restoration. We just just took them back to the Bible, right? You know, and um, uh, I think that's I, in America. I think that's a challenge too, because our churches again have drifted away from that. Because Absolutely. some see it as a denomination. They don't want it to be part of a denomination, so they right. kind of stepped away right. from it. But they, like I say, they still have a hint of restoration in them. Right. It's just, there's just, it just needs to be consistent throughout. Right. And I, I think what's happening, it all comes back to the idea that we've allowed the world to come into the church. And, and, uh, and the world has changed the way it looks at everything. Yeah. And so now the church is doing the same thing that the world did. And, and we find it not only... Uh, in Christian Church of Christ, but uh, Baptists find it, and 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 their denomination and and uh, Methodists going through a big split right now, uh, and uh, and uh, just in in anybody who is in uh, who is serving in church, and I'm 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 just trying to point out that it's not just among Christian churches; it's everywhere because the world has so saturated. And we have allowed the world to come to the church instead of uh, instead of us going to the world right. and changing the world. We've allowed the world to come to us right. and change us, right. and that is a problem uh, to Christians all over the world. Yes, yes. And and it, and in this country it has become a major problem within the church. Right. Sure. Yeah. And that, that's very true. I remember years ago, and, and really Paul talks about being unequally yoked. Yeah. But years ago, I was talking with somebody who who was dating somebody who wasn't a Christian, I said, you know, uh, I think it was that, but they, you know, I said, you don't want that to happen because it's going to pull you away. It's going to pull you. And that's what, they had more influence right. on the person than the church did. Right. And so, so absolutely, I mean, that's in all aspects of life. Um, so, uh, the individual Christian, I think, um, probably the biggest thing that, that, that we face in regard to individual Christians is just simply the busyness of life. And so uh, this has progressively got worse and worse and worse, I think, over time, uh, in my ministry, that is, is the uh, attendance at things other than Sunday morning. Yes. You know, so, so you know, Wednesday nights dwindled, Sunday nights have dwindled, and there's not this, and it's not just about church attendance, but it's about you know, getting into your Bible, studying your Word, and I think people need to recommit themselves to that. It's a, it's about an attitude. Sure, it's not it's not the being in the building at that time. It's the attitude that would bring you to the building at that time. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah good point. Yeah. But years ago, I did a study at Southside on on Revelation, and I advertised it and had the biggest Wednesday night Bible study ever for about three or four weeks until they realized I wasn't going to get into all the fascinating stuff. All that the you read about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just good giving the Bible, and uh, then it kind of dwindled back to the normal. 1520 at the time, I think. But uh, uh, so I think that's a big issue, though, in the church. There's that lack of commitment. Um, uh, it, I, I, just put it to Bible study, if you will. Uh, right. Um, I remember years ago, I got a letter. When I, actually, the first year I was at Law Shady Church of Christ in Ohio, I got a letter from Standard Publishing, and it talked about how the church, of course, they're trying to sell curriculum, but how the church was biblically illiterate. That was back in 1988. And that's just progressively got worse for many churches and for individual Christians, you know, because uh, they just haven't, uh, you know, haven't stayed 
in the study, in the meditation of the words, memorizing scripture. And we just don't do that anymore. Well, I think it was in uh, it was 2015, I think, in one of the studies that a national uh, group that, that uh, we would both recognize that studies churches uh, did a survey of Christians. And one of the questions that they asked uh, was, uh, who were Sodom and, I mean, what was Sodom and Gomorrah? And, and uh, it was over 60% of graduating seniors, high school seniors, quote, unquote, born again, thought Sodom and Gomorrah were a husband and wife. And that was, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. uh, and we've, we've, we've certainly not gotten any better in the last right. six years, six, right. seven years. So, uh, and I think the third question about ministry, I think, I think the most challenging thing about ministry in general is where we're going to get a preacher from. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, uh, um, I mean, good, solid New Testament preachers. Because so, even some of our bigger Bible colleges aren't producing a lot of preachers. No. And our camps, and I'm not blaming the camps, I'm not blaming the colleges, because really the, the, the best ideal Bible college is your local church. I totally agree. Yeah, you know, church should be raising up preachers. Absolutely, and um, you know, you have a young man wants to, you know, give him that opportunity. I mean, that's that's where it should happen. So, I think that's I think that's the biggest challenge in that regard. But I would say to preachers though that you know, um, I always say the older the better. Of course, the Bible is the best, <laughs> right? But you know, um, you know, some of the newer stuff's just it's more devotional. It's more it's just not. Not good, solid Bible study. Go back to the the older stuff. Right. Um, J. W. McGarvey, <laughs> you know, right. as an example. Or even go back to Campbell and stuff. You know, when you're doing research uh, on a sermon or something, the older the better. Because I think uh, uh, sometimes we just get we get we get fluff. You know, I I, I do a lot when I'm preparing sermons. I go back and and research some of the really old guys yeah. and see what they say. And I'm just I'm, I'm amazed. And uh, excited to, to hear what they say and, yeah. and, and to hear the conviction. I mean, you can hear the conviction in their voice even though it's on the printed right, page. Right. But, it, but it's like the, the uh, Fred Huckleberry podcast that we're putting out from the 1960s of his right. old radio sermons here. Some of them are, just, you just think, wow. I right. mean, that just hits it right on, on the head, even for today. Right. So I think it is important not just to look at, at, at your resources for today. Right. But you're right, go back. Yeah. And I, I do think you're talking about the local church, and you said you were blaming the Bible colleges, whatever, but like uh, we're uh, an associate ministry with Mid-South Christian College, and our president, Brother Larry Griffin, has said that people are asking all the time, how many preachers are you turning out? Right. And he said, my answer has become, how many are you giving me? Right. Because they're not, he said, the churches are not raising up people to be preachers. And of course, we are seeing some good uh, preaching schools, uh, such as the Kaimichi uh, they've got a group in there. You've got the Sunshine School of Evangelism in Portsmouth, Ohio. And and, and, and we do have some good Bible colleges that are still doing a, a good work with, right. with preachers, but they're just not getting the preachers to them. Right, right. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big issue uh, and a big problem in our churches. And, of course, there again, you have aging preachers. Right. Retiring, getting older, dying. And, you know, they need to be replaced. And uh, let me say one thing about the challenges of preaching. And, and I've really held to this throughout my ministry, ministries, plural, <laughs> um, is the true success is not in the numbers. Mm -hmm. The true right. success is in faithfulness. 
That's right. And sometimes that's hard to convince people of because all they see are numbers. Yeah. And not that we don't like numbers. We like to see, you know, good attendance. We have 57, you know, one Sunday at Southside. We're like, ooh, you know. But it's, it's, because we used to run much more than that. But, you know, uh, with the pandemic and everything, we ran lower. But it's not about the numbers. Right. You know, and so I don't know how many times I've had people tell me over the years, you know, well, preacher, you get more money, you get paid more if you got more people in. Yeah. It's like, is that really what it's about? Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, true success is measured, you know, by faithfulness. That's the American success. Yes. That's pro, the, for, yes. for the church. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so, so what I'd say to preachers is don't get caught up in that. Right. You know, don't get caught up in, you know, how many people you run through the baptistry. Right. You know, you want people who are going to be faithful, disciples of the Lord, really committed the rest of their life. You right. Know? And I know that there's no guarantee of that because people fall away. But, you know, that's our goal. You know, it's not just simply let's line them up and take them through the baptistry. Right. So. Was well, there anything else you'd like to add today? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Think for a second. I'm a preacher. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I can preach for, you could say in conclusion yeah. we'd be here another 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, in conclusion. <laughs> yeah, I forget, Marshall Leggett. I think I heard speak a couple of times. In conclusion, finally. <laughs> of course, Paul says uh, finally a couple of times. That's what he said, Philippians. Finally, brethren. <laughs> yeah, finally, brethren. I think yeah. he says two or three times. So, um, no, I think, I think uh, I guess I'll say this. The church of Christ Christian Church and the plea are relevant today. Yes. And, um, um, you know, the plea is, is to come to the Bible. In the Bible only. The old saying, the Bible only makes Christians only. And that's and, right. Yeah. Um, you know, that plea still works. And um, it takes time, it takes patience, but don't give up on that plea to just simply go back to the Bible. And use opportunities uh, to teach people. Um, we had a guy show up here at the church building one day, a salesman. And he asked me, he said, are you the pastor of the church? And I just politely said, uh, I'm the preacher. Yeah. And he looked at me strangely and he uh, kind of put his hands up. He says, preacher, pastor, same thing, aren't they? Oh, said, he opened up the door, didn't he? Yeah. I said, look, give me an opportunity to teach. Sure. Go back to the Bible. Sure. I said, well, Ephesians 4 um, says they're evangelists and then there are pastor teachers. That's talking about the elders. Really better word is shepherd. And uh, he kind of looked at me strangely and he says, Never thought about that. He says, we call our preacher, pastor, and we go to the non-instrumental church, Churches of Christ, non-instrumental church. And so he says, I'll have to think about that one. And so, but it gave an opportunity to teach to go back to the Bible. Right. You know, just a simple thing. I mean, I wasn't mean-spirited about it. Don't call me that. I didn't do that. No. But just, just, of course, I always tell people the best thing to call me is just Kevin. You know, (laughs) I don't need a title. Yeah. Um, But, you know, so I think, I think the, the plea is still valid. Um, and I think that, you know, the church need to get back to the plea, to just go back to the Bible. It's so simple. That's a great way to end. I I really agree with that. I I really want to thank you, Kevin, for taking time with me today and and sharing with me because, uh, well, I I think it's make our friendship a little closer, too, just because we know a little more about each other. and, And, uh... Maybe you'll let me take you to lunch too before I go, oh, and, then, and that'll that'll make it even that'll better. Make it better yeah. yeah, because that's where you really get to know folks. But uh, again, I, I want to thank our listeners for sharing 
this time with us today, and I hope that if there's something that you believe would be beneficial to a friend or coworker in Christ in this particular podcast, I pray that you'll share that with them. And be with us next time when we uh, interview someone else, someone new on Frontline Servants. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye, and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.